0: It's Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I, am Willie B., is presented by carparts.com. The easiest, smartest way to get parts dropped right to your garage door, your front door, your back door, whatever door you're answering, that's where they're going to put it to. So good for them and better for us. Uh, we appreciate him as a sponsor. Kev, I know you're fired up about this, man, because there's a lot of times we we're all gung ho about going to the track. Uh, and I look back through pictures of my dad racing, and, you know, I go to. God, I go to you know Bonneville Salt Flats all the time, and there's a lot of racing history and heritage there. And you see pictures of these guys, dude. They're in like you know rolled up 1940s blue jeans, a leather football helmet, you
1: know. And you've got some car and you're you're fully protected
0: back then, you know. Yeah, <laughs> some steel toe boots if you're lucky. Yeah, uh, but they're out there hanging it out, and, and it's really cool to see the evolution of people looking out and protecting not just their cars but themselves probably the smartest thing and best thing to protect in that equation so you know today is all about that uh and we have a guy coming up patrick who i met a long time ago man i look back through emails i've been chatting with this guy since like 2015 2016 uh he is the the man behind race quip and today we're going to find out a lot about how to protect yourself the best way to do that especially for Races like us.
1: Yeah, and I'll admit, you know, every race car I've been in, I've always had full gear, you know, suits, gloves, helmets, the whole bit. Uh, but there's this in between, you know, when you're in a race car, you're thinking, yeah, dude, I, I got to have all this stuff. And then you look now and, and there's so many cars that are track capable, right? Track day. And so all of a sudden you slide down the scale, uh, you know, not intentionally, but you slide down the scale on safety and, and you got to ask yourself, uh, Man, is this being smart? What should I have? And so there's this huge spectrum between just driving on the street, track day, getting kind of competitive, doing grassroots racing, and full on. And and we're gonna kind of walk through some of these things and and maybe get some good uh, you know, tips and pointers on, you know, what is kind of the bare minimum and what you
0: should really have to kind of be safe. Well, a lot of people probably have been to the track, and it doesn't matter whatever track you go to, could be road courses, could be dirt, could be drag strip. But you are probably seeing the SFI sticker patch, right, on somebody's jacket, somebody's coat. Uh, it's, a, it's basically just that little patch that you see sometimes on their shoulder. Um, but basically, SFI is a nonprofit organization established to basically issue and administer standards for specialty, performance, automotive, and racing equipment. So there's got to be an objective standard. Um, and that's kind of what they what they set. And and as far as most people go, that entry level type scenario, that three point two A, I think it is uh, for driver suits. Th- that typically is good for a lot of people. But today we get to dive in and find out a little bit more about that. What it means to really go fast. When you need fire protection. When you gotta you know really up that game and step into something big. And it's not just you know, what you're wearing, but also what you have on your hands, what you have on your feet and what you have on your head. Everybody's wearing road cages, but I'm thinking, you know, what you have protecting yourself. That's
1: right. And it's, it's pretty important, man. You know, if you think about, uh, you know, all your focus is building a car, building a car, make it go faster, make it go faster. It's really easy to forget about you. And so today we're going to pause a little bit, uh, get a little wise, uh, and get a little smarter. So I'm pretty stoked to get uh, Patton here, man, because this is gonna be pretty sweet. I know uh, I'm a little deficient on my track day gear, so I'm gonna be taking notes. You yeah. know, uh, he's definitely got a customer coming out the other end of this, called me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, you'll see some of my questions on there, and you'll know where I'm coming
0: from, and hopefully uh, other guys will get, you know, some similar kind of good scoop. So I, I got a- I got a question for you. Have you ever like been kicked off of a track? For going too fast, for not having the right safety gear, for not having... Because I got to tell you, man, the last year and a half, this is no joke, the last year and a half, I haven't had the proper fire suit for my car, you know? I'm running in times where I need a, you know, uh, uh, you know, I I have that standard entry level jacket still from back in the day when I was running like, you know, uh, 1070 in my streetcar. You know, now I'm running 770. This year I plan on running 670. So, you know, I'm going to need something much better. I've always borrowed my buddies' coats and jackets. And I got to tell you, that's garbage, man. They don't smell anything like you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i've been a lot of sharing man and that it's oh no it's awful fun,
1: no fun <laughs> you know i've been kicked off a drag strip because i was missing a lug nut um but you know i will say this is what gets a little tricky is a lot of these clubs that run track days they aren't very you know tight on the rules so you know long sleeve cotton yeah. shirt you're good to go you know some pants you're good to go and and uh even you know the rating on your helmet, you know, you could be past date, you could have, you know, I've seen guys showing up with dirt bike stuff and, uh, you know, so you can't always depend on the the clubs and the organizations to govern you and be smart. You've you got to take it on yourself.
0: Yeah, and, and really, you hit that kind of on the head because it nobody is going to take better care of themselves than yourself, right? Nobody is going to take better care of me than myself. Well, nobody should. I take... Terrible care of myself sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah but, but you know, you're the ultimate sort yeah. of judge and jury on that. Uh, but you know, there's certain rules and standards that you need when it comes to racing, and we'll go through it. And I really think this company, Race Quip, is probably the best, most efficient, and affordable way to get you in race gear that's going to be right for where you're at as far as your et your time uh, whether it's road course dirt tracks or or like i love you know drag racing so let's take a break we come back with patrick uh the man behind race quip uh, my man kevin bird i am willie b this is the two guys garage podcast It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. It's presented by carparts.com. Have you checked out this website, y'all? It is so easy to navigate. It's intuitive. If you know your year, make, and model, you're ordering your own parts. And Kevin, you know that's key.
1: Oh, absolutely, man. It doesn't matter whether you're looking for replacement, collision, maintenance, repair, and even killer accessories, man. You can go in there. Like you said, a couple of clicks, this stuff is at your door. You got 90-day returns. That's the part
0: I really love. And, man, great pricing. Yeah, man, no doubt. So, look, I jumped on the NHRA website, right? And it says streetcars. And one little thing they highlight in red, where it says streetcars, the following items are required for a vehicle and driver to pass tech. Good tires, solid battery, hold down, radiator, most of the stuff we know. Then it says in red, the driver must wear long pants, clothes, toes, shoes. What? No flip-flops? Come on. And a shirt. <laughs> you can Imagine a guy racing without a shirt. <laughs> and then it starts to break down some of the times. Like if you're running a 1399 in a quarter mile. You know, driveline loop if you have slicks. Approved helmet. Full face and open cars. SFI 3.2A. That's that jacket I'm talking about. In uh, vehicles equipped with non-OEM nitrous oxide turbochargers or superchargers. I Many cars that aren't like Hellcats or something like that. And then you start breaking down these tiers like if you're running a 1349 you need a roll bar in convertibles sfi seat belts in convertibles and so forth but all of this equipment this stuff that they're making standard you know sort of equipment for these et's are there to protect you your head your hands your body and you are stupid if you're racing without it so with that let's bring on patrick up this is the man that really is behind race quip and I tell you, Pat, thanks for taking the time to join us today, man. I got to tell you, man, I love RaceQuip. I've always used them. You guys are the most affordable, efficient, and best way for racers to get gear on their head, their hands, uh, their body. Uh, uh, every time I've raced, I think I've always been a race RaceQuip gear. So thank you for that, my friend.
2: Yeah, amen. Thank you, Willie B. and Kevin, for having me on the show.
0: Yeah, man. Really appreciate it. Can you tell us a little bit about you know, how you got involved with race quip and what made you, you know, sort of kind of begin this journey.
2: I'll give you the short version because it starts when I was about 10 years old, but, uh, uh, I, my, I grew up in a racing family. We raced sports cars in the Midwest and, um, eventually started doing pro racing. So I became my brother's crew chief at the age of 14. And, uh, I, they they wouldn't. I wasn't old enough to be in the pits. I have to sneak into the pits, and if I get caught, my brother would have to come over and say, "No, no, he's my crew chief. You got to let him stay." So, um, but the one thing led to another. I've always had a uh, a job or a career in motorsports, and um, always been around racing. So I, I like to say I've never had to have a real job. Um, but uh, in, about fourteen years ago, um, I was working for a magazine group, which at one time was Peterson Publishing, Hot Rod Magazine. Carcraft, Craft, uh, Circle Track Magazine, all that, and uh, I saw an opportunity uh, in safety equipment. And uh, two companies actually were were bit, one was about to fold and one had folded, and I bought them both, and kind of resurrected. Uh, determined that Race Clip was the stronger of the two brand wise, and went forward with that brand. So I kind of bought the bought the company out of bankruptcy, and then uh, went forward. They had always had an excellent reputation amongst racers. Um, all kinds of motorsports, you know, oval track, drag race, sports car racing. So um, it was really uh, a great brand with a great history going back to 1975, actually. And uh, it was just uh, an opportunity to kind of continue what they had started, but maybe tweak the business model a little bit.
0: Yeah. So you saw that as a, you know, as kind of a a means for you to not just bring that back into the fold and, and do something that obviously you were passionate about. Um, but there was a big need for that. I, I feel like that's such an underserved community out there.
2: Right. We we uh, we've always uh, you know strived to to build a high quality product and world class facilities throughout you know uh, throughout the world, and then uh, be able to bring them uh, to the racer at an affordable price. You know, it's all about building quality gear and and coming in at that price point that that entry level racer that grassroots racer. Uh, is looking for and and being competitive at that.
0: Now, I got a question. Did you see some sort of dynamic change in what you do in the safety gear when all these modern muscle applications started showing up at the track and running ETs that weren't, you know, for us hot rod guys, they weren't imaginable beforehand, but yet, you know, here's somebody out in a sundress that could run a 10-second quarter mile.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you what, I – I shudder to think about that these guys with thousand horsepower cars going down the track without safety gear, without a roll cage, without all the things that we know that you should have. So um, you know, it's it's really important to to take a look at that. You know, the unfortunate thing about safety is there's kind of a saying that we say, Well, it doesn't make you go faster. So so people tend to not want to spend money on it. They'll buy a new set of tires or a new set of heads or new supercharger, but but safety gear ah that, that doesn't make me any faster. So that's that's kind of tough.
1: Well, it's it's easy. I mean, it's a slippery slope of you know neglect or ignorance, whatever. You know, when you're sitting in your brand new OE ride, right, and you took it to somewhere and it's got a small pulley and a and a tune on it, and you're you know pumping out eight, nine hundred, a thousand horsepower, and it feels all cush. You got your stereo, you got your AC on. I mean, you don't think about, you know, when you get in a race car and there is, it's stripped out, there's steel tubing right by your head. It's loud. It's rattly. I mean, you're thinking, oh, crap. I mean, it's for anybody who's never been in a race car, put one in a passenger seat and just fire it up.
0: You know, like passenger seat. A race car doesn't have a passenger seat. What are you talking <laughs> about? You know, like, you know, like the fun drives, you yeah, know, yeah, the fun yeah. drives like we've done right, with right. Kenny
1: Schrader. You know, like you put somebody in there and all of a sudden, uh, you know, or put them in the driver's seat and let them go around a lap and they're doing like 40 thinking they're doing 400. Uh, oh, yeah. But you think about race equipment, you know, but when you're in your little cush ride, you don't think about it. So it's easy to
0: push yeah. off, you know? So, hey, Kevin, you, you're absolutely right. I've, I've got a, you know, a, a 69 Charger that I run on the street, no rope cage. Uh, it's got a passenger seat. It's got, you know, two bucket seats, middle console. Thing does like nine teens here uh, running, you know, running a, a mile an hour. that make most people screw Well, it does make most people scream. Uh, and you're right. People just they don't think about it. And, and Patrick, that's probably your mission to bring bring that out of your people and make them realize, hey, you got to protect yourself.
2: Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, uh, most people think about it after something bad happens to them or somebody they know. So, um, yeah, it's always our, our mission to preach safety and, and you, you want to do everything you can to mitigate the the consequences or the danger. And, you know, uh, you know, sometimes somebody will say, well, I want to be as safe as possible. That's great. It's good to hear. And we always kind of say our our smart ice answer is, well, there's no safe at the racetrack, right? (laughs) You know, things happen, weird things happen. You can take, have all the precautions and safety equipment and, and every step necessary to, to protect yourself. But, Weird things can happen. So, um, you know, in an ideal world, every car has a a roll cage and at least a five point set of racing harnesses, and everybody's wearing a multi layer racing suit and a helmet that's uh, you know less than ten years old that's Snell SA rated, and they've got gloves and shoes. That's ideal world. Um, it's not reality. We we understand that. So um, it's just important to think about you know what what happens in a crash. You know and and really, um, you know, fire is a big concern, but really you want to be strapped into the car securely so that you're able to climb out of it if there is a fire. And really, um, you know, the protective gear, so the fire retardant gear, the, the suits, the shoes and the gloves, everybody thinks of them as fireproof. Well, they're really not. They're fire retardant. They're they're designed to give you time to get out of the car.
1: Yeah. Ain't nobody going to want to sit in there for very long, no matter what you're wearing. Yeah. Uh, but absolutely it gives you that time right that you need hopefully either you're getting out or they're pulling you out pretty darn quick uh, but you know talk us through I mean if you're not wearing all that stuff if you do the the bare minimum right you got pants on you got a shirt on uh you know what's the difference between you know the time factor you got with that kind of gear or lack of and then maybe walk us through some of the different multi-layer you know single layer multi-layer suits
2: sure so, You know depending you know people ask all the time what what do i i'm taking my car to the track you know whether it's a drag strip or a track day event or whatever and uh they're saying well what do i need and and the answer is always you know you really have to check the rules of your series your sanction or your track to know what they're going to require we we can't know all of that so um as a rule though you know if you're not required to wear um, specific SFI-rated gear, and I know, Willie, you mentioned uh, SFI earlier, and what's important about SFI is that it sets standards that all the safety manufacturers, all the equipment has to meet. So you can buy a Race Quit branded item or a Simpson-branded item, and if as long as they have the same rating, they meet the same standard. It allows you to compare apples to apples when you're shopping. So that's a good thing for the consumer, for the racer. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're, you're depending on your tracks requirements, um, you know, if you, if you're not required to have uh fire retardant gear, you want to make sure you're, you're probably wearing, you know, leather shoes. You want to wear because leathers inherently are naturally fire retardant. Uh, you want to wear long pants, long sleeve shirt, if possible, cotton. You don't want to wear synthetic fabrics. You want to wear cotton um and then uh from there um you, helmet wise you know sometimes i've seen rules that said must wear a helmet and like kevin referred to re- earlier you see guys wearing you know bmx helmets or, or motorcycle helmets a- at the racetrack and they just don't belong an auto racing helmet is designed to take an impact or really multiple impacts against a roll bar or roll cage and uh you know, motorcycle helmets to design completely differently, just like a bicycle helmet or, a you know, any other kind of helmet out there. So really an auto racing helmet is designed for auto racing, and that's what somebody should use. Um, whether Whether you're required to have that level of helmet or not, you know, think about the fact that as you go faster, you may be required to, or as you make more modifications to your car, uh, or race in different types of events, you may need that. So it's it's always a good investment to buy a true Snell SA-rated auto racing helmet. Um, but so kind of moving on with the gear that you need, start with uh, a good helmet. And then when you uh, have power adders on the car or the car is exceeding some threshold of speed, you're required to have a jacket, pants. Uh, then there's single-layer pants. There In jackets, there's multi-layer. Uh, and you know, goes uh, on up the scale.
0: A lot of people don't realize um, when you're talking that SFI rating, it's more or less about seconds that. That it's keeping it from burning from the material, through the material, you know? Uh, I think the, the standard is like a 3 to 7 second, that 3.21 right. or something gives you 3 to 7 seconds burn through time, whereas the more layers you add, the more time it's going to give you Before that burn through occurs and obviously if you're in a car, I've been in a car that's been on fire. I've got a car that's on alcohol and that is scary because you can't see the fire. You only feel the heat. So when you're in those situations, having a suit or that protection, be it three seconds, seven seconds, 20 seconds is I'm telling you, man, it's the difference between walking out of that crash or that scenario unharmed but scared and walking out of it you know disfigured in sometimes
2: yeah well we always say that you know safety gear is less expensive than skin grafts yeah so uh kind of kind of a morbid thought but it 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 hits home you know yeah yeah you know, and, and one of the things that people overlook often are, are gloves and shoes. You know, you always hear people, oh, I can't get a good feel on the button, you know, the drag racers, you know, with, with, with a glove and, you know, people just you know, like, like the bare-handed thing. And I can't tell you how many racers I've talked to that have burned their hands because their car was on fire and they were extricating themselves from the car. And what do you do? You put your hands somewhere where there's fire to push yourself out. And so that's what happens. Your your hands, you know, you're putting them in the fire to get out of the car, and then the last thing to leave the car is usually your feet. And that's why a good, you know, SFI rated fire retardant too is important.
0: Absolutely. Um, All right. Look, let's take a break. We'll come back more with Patrick Racequip. It's all about safety gear, y'all. We all need it. It's about time we get it. Um, And we'll tell you how to do just that in a minute. It's Two Guys Garage Podcast with Kevin Bird and Willie B. It is the is two guys garage podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. It's presented by carparts.com, the easiest way to get parts dropped right to your front door, back door, garage door. They can put them whatever door you want them to, man. It's uh it's simple. It's intuitive. The app is easy to navigate and that's most important cuz you're picking a part, not some, you know, some guy who's let's just say not as finely tuned as you are when it comes to your part needs. Right, man. these guys are on a mission. Deliver the right
1: part at the right price, and get us drivers back on the road.
0: Well, let's talk about keeping and staying on the road. My man Patrick, the Badger Ut from Racequip, is on with us today, all about um, you know safety oh, gear. And we need the story, man. We need the story.
2: <laughs> Tell us about the Badger. Yeah, you found my nickname. I see. Yeah. Well, I I I, I had a uh, I, I could be very uh, persistent, let's say, and uh, I had a coworker that. Uh, one time kind of nicknamed me that, that, uh, I'm from Wisconsin originally too. So that's the uh, badger state. So he said, man, you're like a badger. You just get in there, you grab hold of something, you don't let go. And, um, I'd like to think, uh, you know, if you've ever raced against me, you would say, oh yeah, that, that, that guy's the badger. Um, and also probably unfortunately doing business with me, you might say, that guy's a badger. <laughs> so I don't know if it's always in a good context. Okay.
1: <laughs> so, so let me ask you, is it just badger or is it a honey badger?
2: No, not a honey badger. It's an American badger. <laughs> honey badgers are from Africa, by the way.
0: There's no honey when pa- when Patrick's involved. No honey here, man.
2: <laughs> There's no sweetness in this yeah, badger. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> right.
0: You know, we're talking about safety equipment, and it's so essential for people to, to find what's right for them and their application. What are some of the most common mistakes that you find at RaceQuip that people make, forget, or they just commonly mess up on?
2: Well, you know, there's a couple of things. Um, one of the things we see is when somebody installs a set of uh, racing harnesses. Uh, first of all, you know, a five point racing harness is designed to go uh, in a car with a roll cage. And there's a lot of folks buying them for you know, street performance vehicles that do not have a roll bar, a roll cage or even a harness bar. And there's really not a proper way to attach the shoulder harness the the shoulder harness part of the the belt set if you don't have a, a roll bar roll cage or a harness bar so that's kind of number one they always want to run the you know run the shoulder harness back down to the floor in the back or something and and unfortunately what happens is you know you you put the belts on and you say oh yeah yeah that feels good that's nice and snug and everything but in an impact um, you, you, the the belts are actually going to pull pull you downward in the back and they're going to cause you to have a compression uh, injury on your spine. So it's important that belt angles are correct. And, um, you know, you can really only accomplish that if you have, like I said, roll by roll cage or a harness bar. So that's kind of a big one. Um, you know, from there, uh, you want to have a proper seat in, in, in a car. We, we just started producing some composite FIA rated racing seats. They started $399. Now, granted, this is a fixed back, composite seat Uh, it's padded Uh, it's built for racing it's got a lot of lot of support in the thighs and the and the hips and the shoulders Um, and we even make a containment version that has the halo for your head Um, so you know proper seat uh, proper roll bar roll cage uh, harnesses uh, those are kind of the important things Uh, of course a helmet is mandatory uh, in, in just about anything you do you want to make sure you buy a proper helmet um, people uh, are sometimes concerned about uh, the dates on some of the safety gear, which they should be. Uh, but the only things you really need to worry about um, harnesses do expire. Uh, of course they they all think that uh, the expiration dates are just made up by the the greedy businessmen and the safety companies. but that I can assure you nobody's getting rich selling harnesses. Uh, what what the reality is is that the UV rays break down the nylon or polyester that the belts are made of, the webbing part of the belt. And because of that, they can only stand, um, you know, generally after 24 months of UV exposure, they start to break down and they'll lose uh, some of their strength. And you think, well, my car's not out, out of the garage much or out in the sun much, but really even shop lights put out UV rays, so it will cause the belts to deteriorate.
1: Well, anybody's owned some ratchet straps. I don't know how similar the material are is, but uh, you know those get beat <laughs> up. But still, you got to replace those yeah. just because they snap and fall
0: apart on you. So well, yeah,
2: just ex- right. You notice how they they get brittle and you know from being in the sun and whatnot. Yeah. Hey,
0: I'm just I want to point out real fast before we move on that I'm from Kentucky and people in uh, my part of the woods uh, use ratchet straps to hold. Hold the passengers down. Bungee cords uh, as well. Um, uh, Hey Pat, uh, uh, before you move on, I had a question about the helmets. Do you have things like you know Nomex liners that have a certain fire retardant property to them? And the shields, a lot of people tend to forget about. You know, the the shields uh, is is yours a polycarbonate sort of material? uh what's the shield made out of because
2: that's that's important too sure and and uh that's one of the important differences between a motorcycle helmet and an auto racing helmet an auto racing helmet is designed not only for the different types of impacts but it's designed to be fire retardant so it's got a fire retardant paint it's got a nomax interior fire retardant it's got a kevlar chin strap that's fire retardant it's got a three millimeter thick polycarbonate shield again for fire retardancy so um those are some of the important differences between a motorcycle helmet and an auto racing helmet um one of the things that i see a lot I, I i won't i won't accuse just the drag racers of this but i do see a lot in the drags um leaving the shield up on the helmet and um you know we've all done it i used to do it before i knew better and uh and the reality is that uh you know that shield's not going to do its job in in an impact or in a fire if it's if it's up and we've seen people with a with an injury where they've got a perfect burn right around their eyes, you know, where, where the, the fire came in the cockpit and their shield was up. So, um, that's important to, 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 to not fall into that trap.
1: Now, what about just, uh, you know, cracking it, right? So you don't get the fog and the whatnot. I mean, is that,
2: yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, probably what, what, what people are doing and should do is, you know, leave it cracked until you're ready to go. And then just, snap it down and and let it click it into a closed position
0: that's what i do it's literally on my piece of paper that i have because i race a couple different cars and each one of them right on the road cage tape right to it is the one through seven one through nine whatever steps from the moment i come out from under the tower and get in the you know the burnout box there's a you know a process in every car that i race uh and one of the last steps is turn off the electric fan, snap my helmet, and, and get ready to, you know, to go. Uh, and you're, you're so right about that. I, I, too, have seen people that have had that shield up, uh, and that's why they created driver air systems and helmets when you start going really fast and you, you have the ability to get some cooler air in there uh, and even helmet restraint systems uh, now on the market, you know, for everything from drag racing and circle track and so forth. Um, now, you can continue on. What are some of those mistakes that, that people tend to make when they're thinking safety equipment or gear uh, for, for their race day or weekend event?
2: Well, um, if you're buying safety gear, you know, it's, it, it, as long as you're buying a reputable brand with, uh, with, a, um, with an SFI tag on it, you know, it's, it's hard to make a mistake. Um, you can always step up uh in the the product that you buy in other words you could buy an sfi one glove or you can buy an sfi five glove you know it's the it's the rating the 3.3 slash five or 3.3 slash one and of course the higher the rating the more uh layers of protection you have the more time you have in in a gasoline fire so as far as making a mistake if you as long as you buy good good quality sfi rated gear um make sure it fits properly um we have people buy helmets that are too big all the time and then they want to buy cheek pads to make it fit right. Well, that's not really how it works. The helmet's too big. You need to buy the right size helmet. Um, you know, they're, they're designed to work with a certain size head form that they're tested with. And that's why we make all the different sizes of helmets. So, um, that would be one of the things, just make sure that the gear you're buying fits properly.
0: And you were talking about some of the suits and sort of that burn through time you know, most entry-level suits will get you, you know, 17 to 20 seconds. What about some of the, you know, for the guys that are going faster, what about some of those more multi-layer suits? Are you guys starting to get into some of that?
2: Yeah, we've uh, we've traditionally sold SFI-1 single-layer suits and SFI-5 multi-layer suits, both in two-layer, three-layer, um, different materials. Uh, we've... Uh, you know uh, had a lot of call for the SFI 15 and SFI 20 rated suits and we've developed one of those that we're really proud of uh really nice uh kind of uh soft and supple more so than the others on the market everybody that's put it on just loves it we're uh, we're just gearing up to build those now and we will have those available very shortly
0: that's a that's a huge step up and, and a lot of people don't realize that dry cleaning your suit isn't the best idea either because there's a lot of chemicals that will actually feed the fire, um, in a, uh, that they use in, in the dry cleaning process. A machine wash at home is, is better than a dry clean.
2: Yes. I mean, it's, it's okay to dry clean. Um, I think most of the dry cleaners have gotten away from the chemicals that were an issue in the past. Um, but, uh, there was, there was one particular, uh, chemical that they used and, um, that that i don't believe that's really much much used in dry cleaning anymore um uh, so dry cleaning's okay just uh you know one important thing is when you get your suit back from a dry cleaner take the plastic bag off of it uh because there are chemicals in it that have to off gas you don't want them trapped in the bag with your suit could cause discoloration and things like that um but dry uh, but 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 laundering is it, it, at home is fine just remember cold water uh gentle detergent no bleach and no heat. You don't want to put any safety gear in the dryer. So you want to let it line dry. And there's some
0: companies now that are specifically just doing racers suits, which is really cool. They won't treat it with, like you said, some of those chemicals that have a reaction and can feed to fire. But they're treating it with chemicals that are uh, that are helping in the uh, the fire retardant scenarios So, really cool stuff, man. What about, you know, when you think, you know, we kind of went over belts and why that is one of the biggest pains, I got to tell you, because five years goes by so fast. And a lot of times when people buy them, you know, they've got a year, they got a year on the, you know, on the stamp, you know, before they ever get them in the car. uh, And then three, four years goes by and you're like, oh, I don't need new belts, but you got to keep up on replacing those.
2: Yeah. FIA belts are good for five years, but an SFI belt's really good for two years. You're going to buy it. It's going to have about two years, maybe two years and a month or two on it. And, uh, you know, depending on where you race and how they tech, uh, you're probably going to need to replace them in two years. And, uh, i will say this you know i made the comment earlier nobody's getting rich selling uh, harnesses and the reason i say that is because all of us manufacturers kind of subsidize the price of those because we know the racers have to buy those every two years so really they're kind of underpriced in the marketplace for what they cost to produce uh but again it, it is a it is a hassle it is something that racers have to keep up with and uh and, but there is good science behind it you know if 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 somebody's producing belts made of nylon still then um after 20 after two years they're they've uh they're they're compromised now we use polyester they're good beyond two years but the average person or tech inspector can't tell the difference between a nylon belt and a polyester belt so you really can't have two standards you know um so we go by the the lowest common denominator there
1: now is there any other safety devices that uh, have kind of a date stamp on them need to be replaced periodically
2: um as far as a personal safety gear it's really just uh the belts um and the helmet uh helmets uh have a there's a the 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 snell is the certifying body yeah the snell rating and uh every five years this the snell introduces a new specification for helmets uh that the that is always moving forward and advancing so helmets become better every five years sometimes it's a drastic change it requires us to completely retool, build a new helmet, you know, new shell, new construction techniques, and sometimes it's a minor change. Uh, the last change from the SA-2015 standard to the current SA-2020 standard was kind of minor. It just required us to put a little bit more Kevlar in the helmet in a few spots where there was multiple impact testing or a rise in the impact test.
1: Now, some people might not be a little bit uh, familiar enough with between DOE, Snell, and sa uh, could you walk us through that? And, and most of the time there is a, a pretty big gap in there, but I actually have, uh, you know, one of my helmets is actually an SA helmet and DOT, uh, but it's kind of rare. It's hard to find. Uh, so could you clarify, you know, cause the a motorcycle helmet might say Snell, but is it the same thing as an SA?
0: Yeah, it explained where people can find that sticker on the inside where they peel the liner back on their helmet. A lot of people may not know where that sticker actually is.
2: Right. Once once you flip a helmet over, we make it easy to see in ours. We don't want to make the tech inspector dig through all through your sweaty helmet looking for the the sticker. So, <laughs> uh, and we actually put uh, a little notation on the back of the helmet. Uh, you know, it's under the clear coat that tells you you know the rating of the helmet. So, um, but, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a, uh, an orange sticker. You cannot miss, uh, in the liner of the helmet, stuck to the liner of the helmet that tells you the Snell specification. And it is not a removable sticker. If you try to remove it, it'll come apart in in pieces and say void. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a good feature to make sure that the people are using a current helmet. Um, it's easy to easy for a tech inspector to, to look at, um, the uh you know the helmet's good really um most series or sanctions will let you run you know one to two cycles backwards so you you always get probably 10 11 years out of a helmet purchase and in reality after about five to seven years you probably don't want to wear that helmet anymore Your you know your sweat and and hair products things start to break down the interior of the helmet um it gets a little nasty the some of the foam interior breaks down so so really probably replacing it more often than you than you would be required to anyways
1: and then the uh the sa versus snell people get that kind of confused
2: right well well snell has various ratings they have an m rating for motorcycles and then they have an sa which is specialty automotive application so um they're both snell ratings. so you, you you would never say you must have a snell rated helmet because snell rates bicycle helmets too uh you would say it's a it must be a snell sa rated helmet and usually the the rule will be snell sa 2015 or newer or snell sa 2010 and newer you know so you kind of could run a a 2010 2015 or a 2020 helmet yeah so
1: don't get confused because you know it it does make a lot of sense if you wanted to have a motorcycle and uh, a race helmet all in one if you're doing both but um likely you're not going to get that and don't get confused cuz it says Snell right it's got to be the SA
2: rating yes yeah. about the DOT right you're right yes about the DOT and and I'll clarify that uh, DOT rating is far below that of a of a uh, Snell SA or even a Snell M rating so um it, it and some rules require you to have a DOT or better helmet or a DOT helmet and we actually used to put the uh the dot certification on our helmets too um, but it kind of caused some problems because it's really way better than a dot helmet and required additional testing in that and and really you know if, if your track requires you to have a dot helmet and you bring a snell sa rated helmet they know that this is better so we kind of got away from putting the dot on it and the reality is if you're riding a bike and you want to wear the same helmet you know, again, the, the two helmets are made completely differently. A motorcycle helmet's designed to kind of lay down and slide across pavement, and then auto racing helmets designed differently. And there's going to be different uh, field of view, you know, peripherally, and so there's there's going to be some differences between the helmet that would really you you really would want to have a motorcycle helmet for motorcycling and an auto racing helmet for driving a, a race car. Right. No, it's great stuff.
0: Hey, it's so funny because I was a guy when I first, you know, as a 16 year old going through the track, you know, you know, at the time I had a GS 1100, you know, motorcycle, and I was like, this ought to be fine, and I couldn't understand why the guy wouldn't let me use it to race my car. And I'm like, it's got to be fine if it can handle me scoot across the pavement, it could handle whatever I'm gonna, you know, endure in the car. But little did I know at the time right? There's so much that goes into the protection, you know, from fire and the layers and so forth versus just, you know, skipping uh, across the asphalt. So yeah, man, those things are all great and all awesome things to kind of know, remember, uh, make points of. And like you said, man, that Field of vision, uh, the internal linings, the face shield material, material, and and ventilation, all kind of differentiate between a, a motorcycle helmet and a helmet you need to go racing. So make sure you consider all those sort of aspects of it when you're out there looking for one. And and like I I've been saying the whole time, I really, honest to God, from the bottom of my heart, truly recommend. Race quit for anybody out there that's thinking about getting into this and, and wants some great affordable gear uh, that's going to last you and stand up to all these, you know, test of times and, and anything you could put it through. They really do make great, great stuff. Uh, and really, Pat, you probably kind of built a company on that. You know, you took a chance with this company, revived it, and uh, probably as a mission statement, that's one of the things you've you've been phenomenal about is making it affordable. But at the same time, keeping that safety threshold is the most key and important part of the equation.
2: Exactly. I like to say I eat what I cook. I take my same safety gear off the shelf that I sell to customers every day, and I put it on, and I race with it at the track. And I put it on my son and, and race at the track. So um, if it's good enough for my customers, it's good enough for me, and nothing special, nothing custom-made, I'll just take one off the shelf. Now, granted, I have a warehouse full of it. My stuff tends to be pretty new and clean, but (laughs) (laughs) not like the funky stuff. Some of the rest of us have. Right.
0: Not like my suit I've been borrowing for three years. (laughs) Uh, Well, look, Patrick, how, how do people find out more about RaceQuip? Where are you at socially and where can people get, you know, get the shopping and finding more of what you manufacture?
2: Sure. Well, uh, of course, our, our website, racequip.com is a good place to go for information. And we're on Facebook at, at RaceQuip. Um, we uh, sell through, you know, all the major retailers and to, uh, you know, the, the usual online sources um, and and your local speed shop. Let's not forget about the local speed shop. Uh, if you've got a brick and mortar near you, it's great to patronize them to help help them uh, stick around because one of the nice things uh, about a place like that is people want to touch and feel their safety gear they want to try it on you know it's very personal so it's always good if there's a place you can go in and actually touch it and try it on and and i would say our, our products available at virtually every speed shop in the country
0: and a great product it is, Race Quip, check it out. And thanks so much, Patrick, for your time, uh, the education, the knowledge, uh, and keep on uh, doing what you're doing, man. We love it as consumers and people out there grinding gears uh, and weekend warrior in it. So we definitely appreciate what you're bringing to the table, my friend.
2: Well, uh, thank you. Thank you for the time, and uh, we just want to help everyone uh, stay safe, and uh, you guys do the same. Right on, man.
0: Thank you very much. All right. There you go. Race quip. Check out your local shop. Bert, do you have a, a local speed shop you go to? I got a brick and mortar building, man, and he he is so right. People in there trying on their outfit, getting their scary stickers, <laughs> everything all finely tuned, ready to break him out for the first time in a couple years. Uh, I'm excited, man. So you have that where you're at in Detroit? I imagine there's a lot of them. It. Yeah, but it's just not like the
1: old days, you know? Like it, It's thinned down. It's you know far and few. Uh, the ones that are out there, man, it's great to have them, and I hope they can stay, but... Man, that online thing is so easy, you know, but it sure doesn't help to go try it on and give it the sniff test, you know?
0: I know, man. It's like carparts.com, you know, can't really beat that.
1: I don't need to sniff my brake rotors. That's something I can just order, you know, (laughs) boom.
0: Uh, our show airing weekends on the Motor Trend Network. You guys got to check your local listings. Episodes also now streaming on Motor Trend On Demand. Thanks to our guests, my man Patrick Utt from RaceQuip. Um, I'm Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B, your producer, Scoop, and executive producer, Bob Ecker.
1: Yeah, and don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com. Lots of great content down there, super cool links. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at twoguysgarage. The Two Guys Garage Podcast is a copyright 2021 Brenton Productions Incorporated. All rights reserved.
0: Dude, I plan on going so fast this year. I'm gonna buy myself new safety equipment. That that ought to be a goal for everybody racing. Dude, I'm I'm on it. I've already been shopping for a
1: motorcycle, and now I gotta you know flip it over to car. So I'm gonna drop a little coin.
0: I can't even mess with that SFI 3.21 standard jacket. I need something multi-layer. <laughs> It's gonna cook me like a rotisserie chicken. That's what I'm looking for. Uh,
1: I know. Then you're in like the cool suit and
0: yeah. My suit now says Steve Hayes, my buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but there you go, man. Hey, we'll catch you guys on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Y'all take care. Stay safe and take care, you guys.